Hey friends, before we jump into this episode, could you do me a favor? Would you be willing to hop over to iTunes and leave a rating or review? We really are trying to get to 100 rating reviews. Your help is critical. Thank you so much. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm your host. My name is Tony, and today is episode 141 of the podcast, where I sit down with organizational expert Dana White. Dana runs a podcast and a book called A Slob Comes Clean, and her information is so useful for decluttering in everyday life. Now, I'm a guy that doesn't really like clutter. I like everything to be clean, but I have a family and three kids, and well... You know how that story goes. So I loved my conversation with Dana. We talked about organization. We talked about what it means to live out your faith in um, kind of a a very intentional but quiet way. So a lot of good dialogue here just about her, about what she does, about what she stands for. I think you're absolutely going to love this conversation with Dana. Hey, and if you do love it, do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you make sure you don't miss any bonus episodes like the one we dropped last week with Eric Horseman. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Dana White. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have today author, speaker, podcaster extraordinaire, organizing for the rest of us author, Dana K. White. Dana, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. I hope that I live in the country now. And so internet is an interesting thing I'm getting used to. Country internet, you know? I think you have to say internet in the internet. country, right? Internet. And throwing a y'all. Now, what part of the country are you located in? I'm in Texas. In Texas. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Texas skies are so big, there should be internet everywhere there. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, like, not to get off the subject already, but... Um, you know, having done this online thing for a long time, I've known so many people who are like, oh, I could do that anywhere. And then they try to do it anywhere and realize, oh, yeah, you can't do the Internet anywhere because it really is not as accessible in certain places. But I do have good Internet. I'm just kind of trying to figure out how to how to use it correctly here in the country. So praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to jump in. Uh, there, there's a word that's all over your blog and website that I, I really want to hear about, which is, is deslobification. <laughs> and that that's part of your brand. And I, I'm wondering if you could do two things for us. If you could talk a little bit about what deslobification means and talk about your calling into this ministry of, of online reality-based organization slash life. Yeah. Coaching almost. So you want my life story? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. fine. <laughs> yeah. So deslobification is a made up word um, that I made up because that's what I do. I make up words. Um, and really the fact that I made up a word is explains a lot. Like I always wanted to be a writer. So I was actually mm-hmm. a theater arts teacher before I had kids and um, loved doing that job. But that didn't, the schedule that that involves didn't really go with what I wanted once I became a state, became a mom, you know, I wanted to be a stay at home mom, the evenings and all that kind of stuff for theater. It just wasn't my thing, but I wanted to, um, have a creative outlet. And so, um, because that's just as a creative, you know, it just burns inside of you. Like I'm not truly alive unless I have some sort of a creative outlet. Yeah. I mean, that's just how God created me. And so, 
Um, so anyway, I wanted to be a writer, thought, okay, once my kids are older, I'll figure out how to kind of go about that. Um, and then in 2009, I, uh, discovered blogs, you know, and they were not new at that point, but new to me. And, you know, the whole world didn't necessarily know about them. Like they now do, you know? Um, so I realized, Oh, wow. Like people are writing and people are reading it. And I saw people turn it into a business. And I thought, okay, this, this is the thing I need to do. Actually, I discovered that in 2008, but I didn't start writing because my house was a disaster and Mm -hmm. it had been a struggle my entire life. Like I assumed once I became a mom and it was my focus that I would be successful at that because that's generally how I would live life. I would like choose something that I was into, figure it out and, you know, do it, you know? And I just thought, okay, well, once, once my house is my actual thing, then I'll have it under control. But it actually got harder, um, once we had kids. And so I, um, you know, I, I didn't want to throw myself into this creative project when I still had not figured that out the house stuff, because I thought, you know, I I knew how I am with projects and it was going to take my focus even more away from my house. And so, um, so I put it off, tried to get my house under control, prayed a lot. Okay, God, please seriously fix me. What is wrong with me? Why is this so hard for me? Um, and then right before my middle child went to kindergarten, which he just turned 18, um, right before that, um, like it was the day before he went to kindergarten, I was actually in church and I was like, okay, God, why, why are I I had like, it was burning in me to start writing. And yet I was putting that off because God wasn't answering my prayer to change me and make me organized, you know? Mm. And, um, and that was when I felt like God just told me, which I mean, I know that's a whole conversation on its own, but like, you know, I just, it was like right about that, which would not have come from me. You know, like there's no, this is literally the one thing that if you would have told me I would be writing about this as my career, I would have laughed in your face. I mean, like it may, like it was the one thing I would have refused to write about, but I thought it was going to be a practice blog. Like, so I could kind of go ahead and start learning about blogging while I got my house under control. Uh, I mean, you even gave yourself a, a fake name, right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even tell my husband what I was doing. Like, and he knew, he knew that I had always, that I was wanting to start writing, but I mean, I had tried so many times to get my house under control that I was like, well, this will probably fail too. You know I mean? That was just like, you know, it just is. I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want anybody to see. Cause I was, and I was completely, so I made it anonymous, which then helped me be completely honest because, and I also, you know, the name, a slob comes clean came to me at that moment And I didn't want to call myself a slob, but once I did, I had nothing else to lose. You know I mean? Like I'd already said I was a slob. So why try to pretend anymore? Like I had done my whole life, try to pretend, Oh, it's just this, it's just that it's whatever. So, um, I started writing about it and over time, um, I think it was a, I think I wrote something one time and I said something about the slobification, which is a, I think it's, is it Tim Gunn, the, the, um, he's on project runway and I am going to be so embarrassed if I said the wrong name, but anyway, cause I love him anyway. I have no idea, but this, so you're this good. guy, whatever on, you think, I think <laughs> <laughs> this guy on project runway, the one that we all love so much. And it's been a long time since I've watched it. So I can't remember his name, but, 
Um, he, he said something about, you know, like loose clothing, you know, and how that has contributed to the slobification of America. And that just like hit me. And anyway, so then I kind of switched it to deslobification. Like this is my deslobification process. Um, so that's the long version of how this came about. Um, yeah, like I, I just started writing about my, what I was doing and not doing and figuring it out. Well, I, I love the way that you intertwine um, practical, very practical, real life strategies and your own personal story. Uh, um, and now you, you've released several books now and organizing for the rest of us is the latest. And it, it's very, uh, very practical, very strategy driven. Um, it, you know, there's there's all these different I mean, really just short chapters, a hundred of them, right? Like, um, e easy things to dive into. H how do you know when it's, it's time for you to create a new resource like this? H how do you know it's like God calling you to this versus like, um, man, do I really want to write another book about, um, my struggles? <laughs> Cause it feels so vulnerable. It, you know, that's a great question. Um, so it all, I always wanted to be a writer. Like that was yeah. the whole reason that I even started doing this was I wanted to be a writer. Um, the first book that I put out um, was like, I, I connected with an agent. And as my husband and I were talking about, I was like, am I going to sign? Cause you know, you sign with an agent. That sounds really like commitment, you know? <laughs> it's like, And before that, everything I had done had been like, okay, I'm doing this and I'm turning it into a business, but I could walk away at any moment. You know, like that's yeah. because, because I was like family, my kids were at an age where it was like family, not that family's not first now, but it was like, if they need me, all this stuff can go away. I'm just doing that, you know? And so to, to sign with an agent felt like it was, it was like, okay, what am I getting myself into? And, um, but then we just looked at each other and we're like, wait a minute, this is the whole thing I've been wanting to do. This is the reason I started writing, not what I thought I was going to write about, but this, the whole reason I started writing on the blog was that I wanted to be a writer. And so it was like, why would I not do this? You know, so we, we prayed about it and went with that. And then, you know, I pitched the first book and they gave me a two book contract. So it was like, oh. Okay. I guess oh. I'm writing two books, you know? <laughs> so I wrote the two books and then this one, I've actually, you know, we kind of mentioned it right before we um, started recording, but you know, I had been working on a book about um, the Jesus side of everything, you know, like about the spiritual side of that. I've been working on that for like, I think I, time is a weird thing these days with COVID. You know, I mean, like, I, I can't remember. I I'm like, how well, long it's, has it's obviously still 2020, right? 2019 uh, is it yes. 2019 still? Yeah. I think I started working on that book in 2019. Okay. And, um, so it, and it, it, it was one where I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get it under contract until I've written it. Cause I really, you know, I was just like, I really needed to work it out, which was fun to me and exciting because the other two books have been like based on the stuff I'd been doing online for so long. You know, so I was working on that book and I was literally almost done with it. And then the publisher basically just said, Hey, do you want to write this book organizing for the rest of us? And, and it, it's, it is like you said, it's short strategy driven, you know, so it's not the 60,000 words narrative kind of a thing like the, the other two books were. And I was like, okay, I, I think I can do that. And we prayed about it again because it was like, I don't, 
do I need, you know what? But I, yeah. but I see value in this one because it is, it's a gift book. It's flip throughable. It's got pictures. And so I think it's going to reach people that wouldn't read the 60,000 words. I mean, honestly, what I told my wife was, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm podcasting with Dana today. I'm super excited about it. I was like, her latest book, it, it reminds me of like a, a bathroom reading book. Yes. Like when you're hiding from your family and you're in the bathroom and you're like, oh, I'm just going to read one chapter on, you know, the importance, the magic that comes with hangers or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, it, that's the way it feels to me. And it, and it's super, it's super cute. I know it sounds weird just coming out of cute. my mouth, but it's super cute, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it is cute. Yeah, no, I, I, and so, and one of the things, it's funny that, that, um, my agent, a different agent now, but, um, said when we were talking about this, I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've got this other book I've been working on. Do I, do I do this one? And they were like, you know, this book goes in a different section of the bookstore. Yeah. Like it reaches a different group of people. And, um, you know, it, it I feel like, okay, so is that going to, you know, I hate, I don't want to predict the future. I leave it all up to God. I have no idea, but if it reaches a different section of the bookstore and different group of readers, well then, okay, maybe that's what God wanted to happen before the next book comes out, you know, eventually. Um, I don't know. I, you know, it's as a Christian, it's tough. Cause you're like, I think God's doing this well, but it's not my job to predict what he's doing. It's my job right, to say, okay, right. what do you have for me right this second? And this was just one of those things that came up and it was like, I don't know how I don't do this book. I love it. Is that not yeah, the no, answer I you wanted though? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Because I, what I do, I think it does show it is it shows your willingness to be obedient, uh, regardless of what you thought the plan was, which I think a lot of us struggle with is like, yeah, one of the words that God's been giving me a lot lately is joyful obedience. Mm -hmm. And I really hate it. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's this idea about like, hey, I'm not in charge, God's in charge, I'm going to do whatever God says. And this, this feels like that necessary step. So I, I wanted to ask kind of a, a just a question that piqued my curiosity. What did you think that you were going to be writing about? When, before I started when, any of this cleaning stuff? Before you started, when if you go back to like, um, you know, young twenties, Dana, and you're thinking about your writing career, uh, is this, are you a theater writer? Are you a fiction, uh, romance? So, no, not romance. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> if you look at my stuff and see how realistic I am, yeah. you can probably go, Okay, well, yeah, she's not a romance. You know what I mean? Because I'm always like, I don't. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bash <laughs> yeah. romance. Romance no, is it's great, fine. you know. But, but it. Okay, so it's funny because, like, what did I think I was going to write? Well, when I was a theater arts teacher, I was like, I could write plays. I, yeah. you know, I would get these these little, they come in booklets and stuff and it's plays that are kind of, you know, perfect for your junior high or your classes to do or whatever. And I was like, I can write these, you know? And then I was a stay at home mom and I would read family fun magazine. You know, this was back before the internet was such a big deal. And I was like, I can write that. You know what I mean? So, and, and the, one of my big ideas I had was I wanted to write like, you know, conversations for um, couples and stuff. So even though I prefer to read fiction, yeah. Every idea that I ever hit came up with was nonfiction. And so, you know, what I wanted to write about, what I wanted to start blogging about was this thing that, you know, nobody's ever written about motherhood. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I mean, like, you know, but this is in the beginning before, yeah, sure, you know, sure. you know, that anyway, I'm so thankful I didn't write about motherhood. Oh my goodness. I mean, like parenting, that would be the hardest thing to write about. I mean, anyway. So. Oh, you would do fine. You would do fine. I, I'm no, I have older kids now. So I'm like, yeah, everything I've ever thought I knew was wrong. So <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I didn't write kids? it down. Um, I have one who's about to be 20, uh, one who's 18 and a daughter who's 15. So, uh, yeah. do you have any, any tips? So I'm, I'm just a little bit behind you. I've got a, uh, an almost 16 year old, an 11 year old and a nine year old princess, two boys and a princess. That's um, yeah. w- w- any, any tips, any tips for the rest of us? Um, whatever you thought you knew, just get ready to not know it anymore. Mm. That's sorry. No, I I mean, (laughs) I I will (laughs) say that, um, you know, I think I have maybe 16 years left. I, at one point, um, as my kids were start, you know, kind of probably younger, even than yours are, I went, you know what? I'm not going to give parenting advice for the next 20 years. I'm going to wait and see how this all turns out. (laughs) 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 Um, you know, I, and, and I, and I'm glad for that. I mean, like it's, I, I'm not their Holy spirit, you know? Yeah. And if I actually trust God, then I have to trust him to work directly in the lives of my children. Yeah. And, and cause he worked directly in my life and it sure. didn't look anything like my mom assumed it would look or what, what she would have arranged. If, if she was the author of that, she would have had it go a certain way and that's not how it went. And yet I'm so thankful for all that God did in my life has done in my life and continues to do. And so I have to trust that he's doing that in my kid's life. And I say, I have to trust, but it's hard. It's the Mm -hmm. hardest thing I've ever done to, to let go, you know, because I want to do things that I can control and I want to hold on. And it's like, no, I've got to, got to let God do it. Yeah, one of the things that we say around here a lot is that if you're not uh, dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. Yeah. And I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do on a regular basis to give up um, trust and control? Not not just for your kids, but also obviously you've got an online business and you don't get to control how people receive that. You don't get to control the comments and all of the sections of all the, the content you're putting out there. Um, what do you do on a daily basis to connect with God and say, okay, not my will, but your will be done. You know, it's the easiest answer. And that is literally being in scripture every day. Hmm. I, I mean, and I say that as someone who was a Christian from childhood and went to church, went to Bible studies, read here and there, but it was not until I actually started doing daily Bible study, which I go to Bible study fellowship, BSF, which I don't know. Yeah. Oh, sure. But, um, which they're not near as strict as they used to be. So a lot of people know of them as being like so strict. They're not like that as much anymore, but, but I, I went scared to death thinking that I was going for my kids to be in the kids program, you know, thinking I was going to, because I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could do something that, you know, was every single day. Um, and, and yet it literally changed my life, changed my mm-hmm. heart, changed my soul, changed everything about the way I think. And I've, 
you know, and, and, and knowing that, um, especially as somebody who, you know, if somebody's read my stuff, they know that I overthink like, and, and God uses that. I mean, he uses it because sure. he gives me what, however many, probably what, 200,000 words I've written now, at least in books, not counting the everything else I do, but you know, like words, 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 words about these things that, that need some people need to have rehashed and, and, you know, thought about in a different way and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yet the thing I have to do as I'm in scripture is to remember, I am not the one in control and the understanding, the figuring it out, that is all actually a matter of me releasing control to the Holy spirit. And that is hard, but um, but yeah, I love that. And I, one of the reasons I love to ask that question is because, um, I want all of us to, to just be reminded that the easiest, obvious answer is the place to start. And, and almost everyone says scripture, but, and yet for so many of us, it's hard to pick up the scripture and just get started. So I, I love that gentle nudge. W- one of the things I appreciate about your platform is, is what I affectionately call sneaky Jesus <laughs> and it's not, uh, you're not overtly Christian. You're clearly a woman of faith. And if, if you dig around enough, you'll find little spots here and there. I, I'm kind of curious if you could uh, take us a little bit behind the curtain on how you position your faith in light of your platform. And um, and then it sounds like you're, you're making a step in a different direction. What prompted that as well? So if we could go both ways. Yeah. So, um, so you know, I started this deslobification process, writing about it. And I complete, I I totally assumed that at some point God was going to give me a, this is what I hadn't told you so far. And once you get this, you're going to be neat and organized. You know, like I thought that was what was going to happen. Um, and then, uh, you know, and because I was writing about my everyday, what I was doing, part of that is that I was, is my faith, you know, it's church, it's, um, being in scripture and going to Bible study, all that kind of stuff. So I never hid anything about that, but the more that I wrote the, and as I was in scripture at the same time, um, you know, the year that I kind of made it a business, I guess you could say was the year my daughter went to kindergarten. Hmm. She's 15, almost 16 now. And, Um, and I've been doing it for two years before that saying, I'm not turning this into a business until she goes to kindergarten, but then I did. And so it was kind of like, okay, now it's time to get serious. Okay, God, you know, and at that point I had, it was two years in, I had started to realize, yeah, this is not a quick solution. This is more like a lifetime of struggle. And I was also starting to get, um, you know, a decent sized audience. And uh, I mean, it wasn't huge or anything, but it was, you know, like actual people were, were following. And, um, anyway, and I went to, um, a women of faith thing that they don't do those anymore, but this was years ago. And I actually got free tickets because I was a blogger and it was like, woohoo, you know, well then I had to write about it, you know, like that was part of it. And I was all excited that I gotten free tickets. So I wrote a, you know, and so I was kind of like, okay, I'm, going to women of faith. I got this, these free tickets. I'm supposed to write about it on the blog. I'm going to write about something spiritual. So what's God going to show me spiritual about cleaning in this. And yet the thing that he just hammered into me was authenticity. Hmm. It was not, you should be better at cleaning. It was, 
you need to be more authentic. And I had been completely honest as my fake personality, you know, as this noni, which is short for anonymous, you know, I, yeah. I was still writing anonymously at that point. And it was like, no, actually this is, and I was starting to realize this is the thing he had for me. And it was like, oh, I, what he's showing me more is that I need to, to be open in my real life about this struggle, as opposed to even so much talk more about my faith on the site. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. I, sure. I don't know if it makes sense or not. Anyway. Um, and I, in my mind, I was going, what was his question again? Cause I'm just starting to talk about random stuff. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is what we're here for. Just in case you're, this is yeah. why people listen to podcasts is oh, the yeah, random yeah. thoughts. I love Yeah, it. Random thoughts is my, that's my forte right there. No. I, so he, in that same year, in my Bible study, I was studying um, the Acts of the Apostles, which also included Paul's letters to the churches. And 1 Corinthians is like my life book, you know, and, and what it is, is, you know, he's over and over. He's like, here's this unique situation. He's like, well, so there's this and there's this, but it all comes down to love and it all comes down to your heart. You know, and then it's another situation, like nitpicky situation that people are like, what about this, Paul? And he's like, okay, well, there's this that's true and this that's true. And, but it really comes down to love. Like, you know, the, it all comes down to your heart. And I think my husband heard me say a thousand times that year, it's like, but it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And that's what he was just getting down. You know, God was getting into me was that it's your heart. And it was never about the cleaning. It was yeah. always about your heart, your heart for people, your heart for me, your, and, and, but that doesn't always, oh, see, I could get off on this subject, but it, it does. I'm not saying, oh, get your heart right. And then your house will be clean. No, it's what he was telling me was I had been thinking all this time. I was like, well, God can't use the bad parts of me. You know what I mean? Like, this is the bad part of me. This is yeah, the so thing good. I'm not good at. God wants me to be perfect and then give him that. And, you know, when it's, uh, this might be in second Corinthians, you, you probably know anyway, but where it talks about the jars of clay, you know, and my weakness, when Paul talks about that, he's like, you know, I begged God to take this thorn away from me. And God said, no, yeah. because there is purpose in your weakness, because that's where my glory shines through. He's like, you know, we're jars of clay. We are supposed to be weak. The cracks are valuable because that's how people see the light that it's, that's inside. You know, if everything is opaque, if everything is like, you know, shiny and covered up and there are no cracks then people don't see that light that's inside of me. And it was like, God was just like, no, you, I created you this way. I gave you the brain that you have. I gave you the struggles that you have because that's what I want you to give me. I want you to give me the worst of you. So anyway, I'm preaching here, but, um, I love so it. I'm in, here for all of it. <laughs> in 2015, I think it was, I wrote an ebook, um, 
that I, I just still offer it for free, um, called, called giving God the worst of me because mm-hmm. I started to, you know, I also saw a lot of the issues with, um, you know, women having real struggles in their spiritual lives because they felt less than, because they felt broken, because it's like, wait a minute, Christian women are supposed to be great at keeping their house. And it's like, um, yeah, this is like, I can't do it. You know I mean? Like, and that was me. And, and so yeah. it, 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 it was like, maybe, you know, and it's that, am I not believing enough? Do I not have enough faith? Is that why this is such a struggle? And it's, and I'm like, somebody needs to be here. And that's me to say, no, it's okay that your brain works the way it does. That doesn't mean we go, oh, well, it's just the way I am. I'm just, you know, no, but you don't need to keep on trying to do things the way other people do it. You should find out what works for you. Um, and that's what I had to do. And that's what I write about. So it's like, I keeping separate the, the cleaning issue and not making cleaning a spiritual issue. That's actually a big part of my platform, you know, but I wanted to share the spiritual side of things, which is why I did that ebook. Um, so that anybody who wants to know has it. Hey friends, just pausing this conversation with Dana to remind you about the Spirit and Truth Conference. That's right, March 17th through the 19th here in Dayton, Ohio, Spirit and Truth is putting on a conference that's going to feel more like a camp meeting. It's going to fill your cup. It's going to give you an opportunity to connect with like-minded Christians as we do our very best to follow Christ together. I think you're absolutely going to love the conference. You're going to love hearing from speakers like Matt Reynolds, Kevin Watson, Maggie Ulmer, and so many more. Now is the best time to register. Go to spiritandtruth.life conference. Check that out. You're going to love it. Uh, We have a, a registration code for you at checkout. Put in reclamation into the promo code. You'll save $20 on registration. And more than anything, I think you're going to absolutely love this experience. And hey, I'll be there too. I'd love to say hi to you. Now, let's continue on with our conversation with Dana. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. You're, you're living in the tension of a, a both and, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I'm messy and I'm Christian and I love Jesus and I want to do better. And all of that is okay to exist together in one yep. very complex human, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm complex. I'm pretty yep. probably complex too, but like, you know what I mean? Like that, that, um, that resonates deeply. So, so this next piece of writing, as you step out a little bit more boldly in your faith, how, how are you, uh, how are the feelings behind all that? Scared to death. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know how much we want to talk about. <laughs> so we're, are Wherever we supposed to be talking beats. about organizing for the rest of us? No, we'll, um, we'll get to it when we get to it. I, I got I nothing but time. So, I mean, I'll just tell you, I, I started writing it in 2019. I had my really bad rough draft finished, um, like March 7th of 2020, which we all now know the significance of that date, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I felt like God was like, yeah, cause I had, I had my schedule cause I'm very, I mean, I may be messy, but I am crazy. Like driven and organized on certain things, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, which is how I'm able to write books. But, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take off until after spring break. And then I'm going to polish this and have it ready, you know, by the time by May. Um, and God was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. 
<laughs> and I was like, that's weird. Why is he, you know what? And I thought, well, maybe it's because, you know, my oldest kid was graduating. And so maybe I'm going to need to, you know, take a break from it or something. Um, I was a very quiet sneeze. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very impressed. Um, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I, you know, I was like, but then 2020 happened, you know, I mean, yeah. like the world changed and, you know, one of the things I really focus in on is when Jesus, I mean, Jesus freaked out on the Pharisees when they made a big deal about his disciples not washing their hands. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's actually one of his first, like, full on dressing down of people was like, I mean, he, and when I read that, I mean, I was like, how did I not see this before? I mean, I've read mm. all these books before, but when I, I was just like, it, 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 I mean that, and here we went into COVID where everybody was like, wash your hands, wash your hands. And I was like, is this going to hold up? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> then in the fall of last year, I went back to it trying to get it ready to go. And, um, and I was like, yeah, it holds up because it's still true. You know I mean? Like he wasn't saying it's not a good thing to wash your hands. Yeah. He was just saying, don't make that a spiritual issue. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's that thing. Well then I'm sorry. Ah. Um, well then, okay. I don't know how much we want to get into this, but one of the other things I'm just going to be real honest is, um, that I talk about in that, that I am going to talk about that book is, um, why have we been led to believe that cleanliness is next to godliness. Hmm. I mean, we all know that that really isn't in the Bible, right? I mean, you've heard right. that list yeah, in the of list of things. And I, when I looked it up, I was like, well, I'm hoping it's Shakespeare that said it. Because if it's Shakespeare that said it, then I can just be like, Haha, it was Shakespeare, okay. But it wasn't. It was actually, I think it was John Wesley. Um, you know, so, so like somebody who's a, a spiritual father to a lot of us, you know what I mean? Like we, and it's like, wait, why, why has this, because a lot of people just don't, they don't like to talk about this or they don't talk about it or they don't think it's sure. necessary to talk about. They don't, they don't understand that there are people who are like, obviously if cleanliness is next to godliness, I am going to hell. I mean, like, I, I know that <laughs> right. it's a little no, that's dramatic, right. but it's that's the cultural, way. It's cultural theology at its best. It's cultural it theology. Is. And but then I was like, why have, why have, why have people not debunked this? Mm. And I'm sorry, but I think it's because people are afraid that if they explain that cleanliness is not next to godliness, that they're afraid people are going to think it's okay not to clean. Well, then we get into some patriarchy issues. I'm sorry. But I, I mean, like, you know, cause who is it that does most of the cleaning? Well, it's, you know, anyway, I don't know if I want sure. this in there or not, but <laughs> I, you no, you decide I, I, how your audience well, would respond to this because well because listen I, I this is good stuff because I think this is this is practical good stuff about the way that we look at our faith and and whether or not people agree or disagree with what you're saying the the reality is if we don't take the time to honor the thoughts then um, th then we have to ask the question what's the what's the barrier in my life that doesn't let me honor it well and and, and the patriarchal connection is is really important because that's how cultural theology is developed. It, it's by the people who who pass it down from generation to generation. And more often than not, in, in theological circles, of which I'm a part of many, it's mostly guys who look and talk like me, right? So, you know, middle-aged white men, right? Like, that's just the reality of, 
of the situation. So I, I'm so here for all I'm of scared. that. That's yeah. why I'm scared. I'm like, do I really want to be the person talking about that? Am I qualified to talk about that? Do, do I, do I really want to go there? Because the more I look at this stuff, the more I realize, oh, okay, well, there's, there's a lot farther reaching implications than just, you know, it, but at it. the same yeah. time, it, it comes down to discipleship because mm -hmm. it's not a soundbite answer. And Jesus was not a soundbite guy. I mean, like you need to read all of his words, all of them to really understand. But if you take one teeny tiny thing, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to live my life by this, you know, five word sentence. Well, then you're missing a whole lot of stuff. And so it really just comes down to that discipleship and, and how it's, it's hard. It's hard to have these conversations. It's hard to be the one to to talk about this stuff and to, to say, yeah, you do need to do your dishes. I mean, that's what I do for a living is I tell people to do their dishes, but I also want you to be clear that Jesus doesn't love you any less if you do them. And if you don't do them, you know, or any more for that matter, right? It's, no, it's not either yes. way. You're not going to earn a deeper level yes. of affection yes. based off of, uh, a, based off of a task. And, and I grew up Catholic where there's a cultural theology that's not even true about this idea about earning your way into places closer to God in heaven. Like it, it's just not there. And, and so I, I think I, I, this is what I know for sure is that my audience loves to pray. And so um, I'm just going to ask all of them as they're listening to this con conversation to pray for Dana and for this next piece of writing, because I think it's going to be really important for a lot of people. And so we can definitely commit to that. Thank you. Um, I do, I do want to have you back on when the, when the book comes out, this is Let's not the book it. that we yeah. would not, Okay. All right. Good. Good. It's not even under contract. It's not done. I haven't looked at it since I haven't looked at it in a year. And that that's where I'm like, okay, so how's this going to, how's this going to go? Because I've, you know, I've been wrestling well, with some things myself. Let's set a date. When do we want this book out by? Come on. <laughs> when does God want this book out? That's the thing. Is I that's <laughs> that's my thing. Is I'm like, is it is it God that's making this take longer, or is it me dragging my feet? Is it you know? Whew, I don't know. I feel the stress for you. I'm actually sweating a little bit. <laughs> that's how I know it's good. <laughs> yeah. I, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, please I just don't. If any. If anybody yeah, is like, I can't believe she said the word patriarchy and now we're going to hate her. Just know I'm struggling with this as much as anybody. Like I'm struggling with that whole, I don't, I don't want to talk about it, but I think it's So there. this is one of the things that my therapist says all the time, mm -hmm. and I'll share it with you and our audience is that anytime your emotional temperature spikes above a six. So if the word patriarchy spikes you above a six, it's always more about you than it is the other person. So on a scale from one to 10, if you get emotionally triggered above a six, just know that it's always about you before it's about the other person. So if you're above a six because of something that you heard Dana say and what was a very, uh, a very docile conversation about um, cultural theology, then I want to invite you to spend some time with God talking about that. And if you want further dialogue, you can email me and I'd love to talk about theology, Tony at TWMilt.com. And uh, we can wrestle through it together. I promise I don't have any answers, just a lot of questions. 
<laughs> yeah, don't email me about it. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> no, she's not ready. She's not ready. <laughs> yeah, wait and see if I keep that in the book or not. You know, yeah. Then we'll talk about it if I if I do keep it in the book. So, yeah. Um, and so speaking of books, I I did you know so this book is coming out January 11th. Uh, and uh, the podcast that we're recording now in December will come out around that same time period. Um, people are heading into the new year. Uh, what are your your top three to five go to strategies for those New Year's resolutions? About okay, I'm going to get my house finally in order. Or after our conversation, I feel like we should just throw it out the window, right? Like who, you know, just how, how do I live in a mess today that helps me be productive tomorrow? Okay, so. Um, New Year's energy is real. It's also very fleeting. We all know that, right? That's why the it's Lord, yeah. the same one every year, right? Um, so my my biggest advice on that is to do things in a way where you are guaranteed progress, which my whole decluttering process is all about guaranteed progress. So what the number one thing that's different about me and every other person who talks about this kind of stuff is I do not pull everything out of a space to get started decluttering it. Okay. Because that's a recipe for disaster for Mm -hmm. anybody like me, because I used to do that. I would, cause that's what I thought you were supposed to do. I'd pull everything out of a cabinet that was, you know, cluttered and piled with stuff. Um, and then I would be like, oh, okay, I'll just put back the things that I want to keep. Well, the problem with that is that I get distracted. Life happens. Um, and now all that stuff that used to be shoved inside of a cabinet is now outside of the cabinet on the floor or the countertop or whatever. And the worst, the mess is worse than it was before. And so that's where you get really discouraged and you're like, what was the point? Cause then you end up having to shove everything back in there and where you kind of knew where it was shoved before. Now it's all one big mess, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that is, um, the biggest no-no is to do that. So instead, what I do is I do step-by-step. I have five a five-step process that um, deals with each individual item as you pull it out. You make a final decision and you act on that final decision. So like the first step is trash. Literally just look for the trash because you're going to get stuff out. You're going to start to see what's in there and you're going to reduce the overall volume of the mess. The second one is easy stuff. Anything that has an established home somewhere else in your house, it's just not there for whatever reason. We're not going to go, why is it not there? We're just going to go take it there. Okay. Um, So you pull those things out. The mess is overall reduced. You know, like it's just every time the volume of the mess shrinks, the volume of your feeling of being overwhelmed will also shrink. Okay. That's good. So. And if you step away at any point, it's better than it was before. It's not done, but it's better. Okay. And doing that is, is huge. Okay. Cause then you start to go, Oh, it's worth my time to take five minutes to just look in this space and pull out any trash and throw it away. Then you look for duh donations, anything that you don't have to really think about. You just stick it in your donate box. And then, um, the next is my decluttering questions, which, um, you know, help you determine where something goes in your home, where would I look for it first? And then you eat with each individual item that you pull out, you take it there. Now that right there is the key. And it can feel like, no, no, I'm different this year. This year's different. I really do mean it. I'm going to be organized forever. Okay, great. You're still going to get there using this method, but with this method, if you happen to fizzle, I'm sure Whoever's listening, I'm sure it's not you. It's the other listeners that I'm talking to who right, will probably absolutely, fizzle. 100%. Yeah, like, but you personally who are hearing me, I'm not talking about you. I'm just like all those other people. So those other people who are going to fizzle, 
if they will do acting on each item individually as it comes out of the space, when they fizzle at any point, their house is better off. So when the fizzle happens, you're not in this bad situation of, oh my goodness, I've messed up my house worse than ever, whatever. Instead, you are just like, oh, okay, it's better. It's the stuff is gone. It's out. It's all in its home. So anyway, that right there, the other thing, as far as if you're looking for habits, which habits are everything, declutter is every, decluttering is everything as well, but habits are also everything. Sorry. But, um, if you're looking for habits, do your dishes every day. And there are people mm-hmm. listening who are like, are there people who don't know to do that? Yeah. There's a lot of people who put them <laughs> off. I mean, just, you know, because dishes math is a thing. Dishes math is that one day's worth of dishes takes like 10, 15 minutes. Two days worth of dishes does not take double that amount of time. Even though logically I thought it would, you know, it takes an hour because now you're having to shift and rearrange and, you know, whatever, get the water out and get clean water, all that kind of stuff. Um, Three days worth of dishes is like a whole kitchen excavation, five hours. Well, my problem was I didn't realize that. And so I thought doing the dishes took hours. Like, because I Mm. always just would wait until I was out of dishes, you know, I would like be like, oh, well, one day's worth of dishes doesn't look like enough to be worth my time. I should wait until I actually have enough that it's worth my time. Well, two days worth of dishes. Oh, I don't have time to do all that. Three days worth of dishes. Oh my goodness. I'm like washing, you know, we're drinking out of measuring cups, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like, that is that just reality. I thought doing the dishes was a five hour task. And so I just did math and thought, okay, well doing the dishes every day, every day then would be like, what, an hour and a half. I don't have an hour and a half every day to do dishes, but only after I did the dishes every single day, was I like, Oh, one day's worth of dishes takes like 10 minutes. And realizing that is, is huge. And if your house is out of control, the thing to do first is your dishes. Every single day, the thing to do first is your dishes. When you're overwhelmed, you don't have time to do a whole lot of stuff, do your dishes. And it really does have an impact on the entire house. No, I love that. I love that. I think it it makes sense. And I love the idea of habits. It reminds me of that graduation speak about speech that the one admiral gave about making your bed every day. Like that's just a a place to start where you can knock a task off. Can Um, I talk about that for a second? Yes, please. I I just want to say making your bed is awesome. I won't show you mine. It's actually right over there, but it's not made. Um, But (laughs) the reason, because I had heard that before. I was like, making your bed is okay. And I'm like, okay, well, because I was so completely overwhelmed in my home, I was like, okay, you can tell me to make my bed. And that is great. And it really does have a positive impact on my psyche and everything when I do make my bed. However, I had been living at the time, what, 35 years of my life. Knowing for a fact that at the end of the day, if your bed is not made, you can still go to bed. Yeah, amen. But the thing I had to realize was, but doing the dishes, if my dishes are not done, it really grinds the entire house to a halt because we can't Mm -hmm. cook. We can't, we don't have anything to eat off of. We don't have any space on the counters. We like have to wash a pot before we actually cook. You know, it's been like, not doing the dishes is a big problem. So anyway, doing the dishes does grind everything to a halt. So it's like, I was the person who needed to know, yeah, what actually really has to be done? Like what actually moves the needle? So making your bed is awesome. But if in your mind you're like, eh, yeah, I don't really have to do that. 
I am telling you, you do have to do the dishes. Do you see uh, okay, where I was so, coming from now? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually I like it because it puts into some productivity ideas and that and that sort of thing. Um, so I would be remiss since I have the expert here if I didn't ask a semi personal question that okay. may or may not have a huge impact on my marriage. So, um, <laughs> so I, my wife and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage in February. Thank you. She's everything to me. She's wonderful. Um, I have a problem about uh, putting my clothes away. My wife uh, washes the clothes and she folds the clothes because she's uh, amazing. And my kids help fold the clothes or they wad them up nicely. And um, when you have something in your head that's like, I really need to put my clothes away, but I absolutely hate the task more than anything in my life, especially when I know that I'm just going to wear the clothes again, but yet it's having an adverse effect on my marriage because... And and we've we've actually talked about this. And when I do marriage counseling stuff, I talk about this because it clearly feels like I'm disrespecting or not honoring her work. That she doesn't feel valued when I don't put my clothes away. Um, do do you have any? Can you help me? Not can you help me I want do. to put my clothes away? Want to? No. Um, but I can. Um, you know, like I had to give up on the. Someday this is gonna be different. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm going to be, I just need to be different. Let's go with how you actually are. Okay. Here's the thing is my, here's my guess is that it doesn't occur to you to put your clothes away until she's already mad. Is that right? Right. That's correct. Okay. So even actually, I don't even really think about it because I'm just going to, I wear the same clothes every week. It's not, it's not, it's the same five outfits basically. So, so you've thought about You've thought about it in after the fact, but yeah. the problem is that you don't ever think about it before the fact, right? That's true. Yeah, okay. 100%. So that is the story of my life. Like I have what I call slob vision. Like I just don't notice things. Like, you know, people are like, well, just don't put your, um, you know, your keys down on random places. And I'm like, you think I realize they're leaving my hand? Like I literally have, they're like, oh, just always do this. And I'm like, that's a nice thought. Anyway. So what I have to do, there is a lot of magic in what I call the five minute pickup. Okay. And you can kind of adjust it for whatever your situation is, but just to say, okay, because these things don't just naturally occur to me to do in the moment, that doesn't mean that I go, oh, well, then I'm just not going to do it. Oh, well, it just, I'd never, instead I say, okay, if I take a five minutes of focus and say every day, at some point, I don't assign a time of day because then if I miss it, I'm like, oh, well, I have to do that tomorrow. Instead, I'm like, whenever it occurs to me that I need to, you know, I call them awkward pauses. I've got five minutes. I say, I'm going to do a five-minute pickup. And during that five minutes of focus, you put your clothes away. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so That's so maybe sure. they weren't immediately put away, but they are put away. And so it like takes me like a five minutes of I'm going to do the thing. So for me, it would be like, you know, the water glasses. My husband feels like we live in, what was it? Um, the alien movie with Mel Gibson, Signs. Yeah. yeah. He thinks that that, yeah. that plus cabinet doors open all the time. He He's like, it's like M. Night Shyamalan used to you as his reference for all his movies (laughs) anyway. Um, but, but he, but I'm like, I don't notice that they're there, but when I have five minutes of focus, when I have a five minute pickup, I'm like, 
oh, okay, well now I see them and I go and I do that. Um, and my house is better off than me just going, why don't I do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So many helpful things here. So many valuable insights. We, we really did cover the gamut today. Uh, I know that my listeners are going to want to follow you and uh, continue to pray for you. Where's the best place on the interwebs to get to connected to, uh, to you and your, your platform? You can just go to aslobcomesclean.com. Um, that is my home base for all the different things that I do. And you've got a podcast and a blog, and it looks like a, some online courses. If people really want to get in into the the thick of it as as the new year's approaches, um, yes, is and you, you done a really good job on your website about hey, if you're not sure where to start, start with this one blog where you you kind of break it all down. I think that's very very well written and be, and beautifully done on your part. So kudos. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so the last question I always love to ask people, it's an advice question, um, except I ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, and I get the name the day and time. And so I'd like to take you to um, the day after you publish your very first blog uh, on A Slob Comes Clean. If you could go back and look at that younger version of Dana and just kind of grab her by the face, look her in the eyes, and give her one piece of wisdom uh, now, 12 years later, uh, what's the one thing you're telling her? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, the word that comes to mind is, is relax. Like, hmm. it, you know, I think I was so, I probably said it multiple times in those early years, especially, but like, I felt like I was hanging on by my fingernails, you know, like, yeah. okay. So I, I did the dishes and I picked things up today but I was waiting to fail because, mm. um, I had failed so many times, you know, at, at trying to get my house under control. And what I know now is that if you fail, okay, just do the dishes again and yeah. pick up again. You know, I mean, it's there, it, this isn't a project. This is, you know, it, your house is not a project. It's just day after day. And the more you do it, the easier it's going to be, the more you get stuff out, the easier it's going to be. But I think it's just relax and, and know that you are going to mess up, but that doesn't mean you failed. I love it. I love it. You are going to mess up, but it doesn't mean you fail. That's a good word for all of us, I think. Uh, Dana, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank you for your openness, your vulnerability, and your authenticity. It, it really does mean the world. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I've really enjoyed this. Man, what I appreciate about Dana's work, her ministry, is how... Uh, practical and just realistic she is. This is not one of those kind of self-help gurus that doesn't know what life is really like. So when you go to her website or you listen to her podcast, you'll find the most practical ap applications on how to get organized and focused on this next season of life. And I don't know about you, but it's never hurt me to get focused on the next season. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Thank you. Uh, do me a favor. Go follow Dana on socials. Let her know that you heard her here on the podcast. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating review on iTunes or Spotify. And be sure to share this episode with a friend. It is by far the best compliment you can give us. Thank you guys so much for helping me uh, be a part of this platform and have the opportunity to do this work. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus... 
you must be willing to move.